You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. You know her, you love her. Who knows what her title is these days? I've been calling her like content queen, but Amber is on the pod today. Yay! So excited. I know. Listen, we'll take the content queen title. That's fine with me. (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh. It's so lovely chatting with you because we have so much to cover per usual. We could hardly contain ourselves even in the call before this. So we just said, you know what, we should just start recording and take it from there. But for anyone who doesn't know you, can you give us the spiel on who you are, what you do and who you help? Of course. So as we kind of already mentioned, my name is Amber and I am a content strategist for small women-owned businesses. And basically, you know, I've seen a lot of different shifts recently, but what I basically want to do for people is make content creation so much easier through systems, organization, and longevity. Um, We see so many trends and we see all these hacks and tricks and things like that, but I want you to do content creation for fun for the long term for your business. So yeah, that's a quick little spiel. I have the funniest story to tell you. My parents own an interior design and remodel company. My dad called me like maybe two weeks ago and he goes, Hey kid, marketing question for you at 7am. I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Let me get some coffee first. And he goes, you know, do you know any agencies that do like just full stack marketing? Like, you know, like door to door sales and cold calls. And I was like, what year are you living in? <laughs> like that doesn't like, exist. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And he goes, you know, like just like marketing. And I said, do you realize it's like eighty five percent digital? Yes. Like the the landscape is so different than when he worked in marketing in the nineties, early two thousands. So how do you describe digital content marketing as that huge umbrella? Because you can take it in so many different ways. But how are you helping business owners to describe what it is that you're educating them on? Yeah, absolutely. So the main thing that I focus on and the way that I like to approach people, um, you know, because again, like you said, digital marketing is so many different things. And we can mention SEO all the way through graphic design. Like there is so much that can go into it. And now, especially with the introduction of AI, I honestly think we're going to see more positions and more, uh, you know, things come up in our industry that these are going to be new jobs. Um, But basically my main focus is organic marketing, meaning we are not putting money into ads. We are not doing any backend crazy SEO or analytics. Like I like to, there's like trends that go around. They're like, I am this kind of marketing girly. I like to combine like a little bit of analytics from just pure social media standpoint, work it into an ecosystem of things that you also own, like a blog or email, and just make sure we're cohesive, but we're not pumping and dumping money into getting your name out there. We really are focusing on developing a strategy for the long run through organic social media. So that's what I educate people on and creating a content ecosystem within that and making sure that we are using the hard work that you're putting into creating content. We're making it work to its fullest potential. So that's kind of where I dive into. And again, I have people approach me all the time. Do you do uh, Facebook ads? No, I don't touch it. Uh, Do you build a website? No, no, I don't touch it. But there are so many different facets of digital marketing, but that is my huge thing. 
We're in the same boat. And this is exactly what I've just had the conversation with some of our clients about is these are the things that exist in our universe. And these are the things that are outside of our network. So all those things you just mentioned, I'm not touching your website. I'm not touching ads. I'm not touching text message marketing. I'm not touching. There's so many different things that, that our team, there's even so much. And you used one of my favorite phrases in a reel recently, breadth and depth in organic content marketing, that we are plenty busy with just that <laughs> yes, alone. Absolutely. Alone. You talk about something that I tell my team all the time, which is the importance of a hero piece of content and what content batching looks like. So let's get into that because I feel like this is something that people have heard, but don't really understand. Yes. So to be honest, this is kind of a borrowed term. Um, and it's been made popular by like the Alex Hermoses, Gary V. This is where they go. Like I create a hundred pieces of content a day. This is how they achieve that. Obviously they have teams and go a little bit crazy. I scale it down to make sense for solopreneurs or small business owners, but essentially you start with one big chunky, valuable piece of content. For me, it's YouTube videos for you. You know, it could be the podcast. But basically, you start with this big framework of a longer form piece of content. If you're a writer, it could be a blog. Uh, You know, again, podcasts are articles you've been featured in. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that you go out and create all on your own. But then you break it down as much as you possibly can and disperse it across different platforms. So for me, what this looks like, I have one main YouTube video. It gets transcribed for a newsletter, gets transcribed for a blog post. And then we find three to five clips that I can post on all the short form video platforms. I can take the transcription and create carousels and captions and tweets and this, that, and the other. There are so many different things, but we make, again, my whole strategy is making that content work so much harder for you. So you're not having to feel the need and the urge to jump on social media every single day and create something brand new. So that's kind of, that's my jam. It's my jam. Same, same. And an entrepreneur's greatest resource is their time, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Their time and their knowledge. You know what you know, and you're able to communicate what you know, and that's why people want to work with you. So why not capture that in long form and then splinter it all out into all the different places? You also talk about how important it is to create content specific to the platform not just visually, but content wise. Can you walk us through how something on YouTube looks different from TikTok, different from Instagram, for example? Yeah, absolutely. So my YouTube videos are typically in a 10 to 20 minute format, obviously horizontal. Uh, We want to play nice with that platform. And I just make sure that I back up far enough from my camera so that we can crop it in. Basically is all I do. People are like, how do you get your videos formatted this way? I'm like, I literally just back up a little bit. (laughs) That's it. So that I have enough room to then crop that YouTube video into a vertical format and we can clip it down. I would say most of my short form clips are anywhere from 15 seconds to the one and a half minute mark. I typically don't clip anything longer than that. Uh, That's just what works for me, for my audience. And just making sure I'm playing nice again with all these platforms for reels. I, you know, it could be the same video that I post on reels and TikTok. The captions are going to be different. I'm going to go into TikTok and put more text on the screen and maybe a shorter caption. Whereas reels, I'm going to lean into a longer caption, a lot more hashtags, not really care so much about the text on the screen because as of this recording, text on screen and and Instagram right now is absolutely glitchy. I don't even Mm. worry about it. So it's just, you know, it's that same clip. And I talk about it all the time. Like, you might be watching this on YouTube or you might be watching this on Reels. Who knows? But it is formatted specifically for that platform. And just taking that small extra step, again, allows you to distribute that piece of content in so many different places. 
Yeah, because to your point, now you're not making four co- four pieces of content for four platforms. You're making one piece of content that then works in all the places. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm, exactly. I've got to imagine that the only way to execute this on a regular basis is having a really great system. Yes. Do you want to tell us all about your systems and your tools that you use? Because you might, I, f- I have a feeling we have a lot of the same, but you might have some that are different than mine. Yeah, absolutely. So my first and foremost, my love, my <laughs> first love is Airtable. That's how I manage everything. And also I do like to give this caveat before I talk about any of this. I do have a content manager. I have worked very, very hard. I've done this for myself for a very long time, but I do have the privilege of having somebody on my team help me with this. But basically I manage everything inside of, in my content manager, we manage everything inside of Airtable so that we can see a piece of content go from ideation all the way through posting. Um, And then we can see that YouTube video is clipped up this way. It's distributed here. It's done this. So that's how I organize and start the system. What we like to use though, this is always, when I tell people about this app, their mind is always blown. I love to edit all of my YouTube videos inside of Descript. So if you've never heard of it, it has, it is actually kind of like an AI powered editing tool that allows you to, edit the video like a Word document. So that's also my transcript. And you can literally cut and paste and pull and all these different things. And that tool, it really does allow me to do so much with that one YouTube video. I can pull the clip for Instagram. I can pull the clip from TikTok. I can literally copy and paste certain words I say into a newsletter or a caption. Um, So those are the main two that I use in this system. And then I use later for scheduling, which I think we all do. We (laughs) love later. We do, we do. And that allows me, again, with later, I upload that one vertical uh, video. You know, let's say I want to put it on all these different platforms, upload it once, and, you know, I can change the captions a little bit and it publishes it for me. So yeah, that's kind of the my little software stack there. Oh, we love all those tools. We love all those tools. I'm a big CapCut girly, but Descript has been on my on my list of ones to look into. Yeah, I was going to say for sure with like using my hero content strategy and breaking down that YouTube video, that... Descript is my go-to and it's desktop based. And there's something about, I'm just, I'm a girly that I love a desktop (laughs) editing app. Um, But CapCut, I actually hot take recently switched from InShot to CapCut when I'm doing like in the moment stuff. I'm like, CapCut is just so much more powerful than InShot. So I I love it too. Did you also have this light bulb moment when you downloaded CapCut? You're like, oh, this is how everyone is making those TikToks. Yes, I did. And I felt very um, old. (laughs) I was like, oh, this is how we're doing it. Okay, I missed the memo here. Same. Basically, any of those templates or any of the TikToks that you see that have those really complicated edits, like here I am teaching people how to make collage reels in Canva. And sure enough, there's just a template in CapCut that does it automatically. I know. I see them. Or even even some of the memes that are going on around now. I was like, Mm -hmm. listen, I might be illegally trying to find this stuff. And I'm like, it's not worth it to try and find a meme that I ripped off of something. Pedro Pascal. Yes. And I was like, oh, it's a CapCut template. Perfect. Let me just use that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so much easier. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the AI of it all because this space blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. What are your initial thoughts? What are your vibes around it? I think we have the same attitude about it. So I don't think we're going to upset too many people, but there are a lot of people that are upset. Yeah. And I see all sides of the story. I totally understand where everybody's coming from. Um, And it's so funny. I've been having these conversations so much. I think 
AI is going to make digital marketers' lives a whole hell of a lot easier, and I'm fine with it. Do I ever think it's going to replace us? No, absolutely not. But I think also right now we are at the cusp of something really great, but it still needs some fine tuning. So for instance, if you use ChatGPT to spit out some content ideas for you, if you don't give it the correct input, you're going to get these random things that aren't going to help you. But what I like to use it for is like repurposing. Again, I take that whole transcript that I got into script of my entire YouTube video. I say, hey, ChatGPT, can you reword this and make it into a 500-word blog post for me? Yes, absolutely. Because I'm giving it some kind of human input, I'm giving it my voice, I'm giving it my tone, um, and that's so much better. So again, I think we're at this stage right now I think it would be so cool to see ChatGPT. We could have it learn our voices and learn our attitudes and our nuances and things like that. We're not there yet. Uh, so I still think there's like a bit of human input that we need, but I think it's incredible. I think it's going to be, it's going to be great. I still have a lot to learn. I still feel stupid. Sometimes. The way that I, ex- I was explaining it with my parents, first of all, my mom is a, the early adopter tech person. She always had the first iPhone when it came out, like, on launch date, like always AirPods, everything that's ever come out, she's been using it since the beginning. I told her about ChatGPT and now ChatGPT rewrites all of her emails. That's so good. Because great. she's starting to realize there's a communication difference between like boomers and millennials. Yes. And so she's like, make my email nicer. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's amazing. It's killing me. It's killing me. It. So she literally went on a whole wormhole, ChatGPT. And what I was describing to my dad, who's like, nah, this on board. He's eh, I'm not sure. I said, you know, did calculators put accountants out of business? No. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. such a good analogy. I love that. I'm going to use right. that. <laughs> Please steal it, use it. I don't know if I made it up or if I heard it, but it's it's, it's the tool doesn't make the creator right? So it's the same people that are getting upset at Canva for providing templates to people. It's like, just because you have the recipe book or the, you know, the Betty Crocker yellow cake mix doesn't mean that your cake is going to turn out good. Yeah, (laughs) There's still a lot of room for error and there's still a lot of human input that has to go into that. Right. So that's in that way, it doesn't scare me. I'm super excited about the possibilities and shout out to ESM Creative Co. who I was just with in New York, who said that she takes her meetings throws them into AI, gets it to transcribe, and gets it to spit out who owes who deliverables and deadlines. See, that this is where I think AI is going to change the game for us. Those monotonous tasks that allow us to get back to our zone of genius is where AI is going to help digital marketers. Do we need to do all this competitor research and spend hours and hours Googling shit? Like, no. This is where I think that AI tool is going to be really helpful so that you can go out and be more creative and have fun with content and, you know, take the time to do the things you love doing and avoid the things that you hate doing. So I think it's going to be very powerful. Have you used ChatGPT to brainstorm yet? For me, here's the thing. My zone of genius is content creation. The ideas. The ideation. So for me, I feel like any prompt that I've tried or used, I think I need a, I have a learning curve to get it to spit out something that I think is incredible. I think it is really cool for other small business owners, but for totally. me and in my industry, we're working, we are with ChatGPT specifically, we're working off of information from 2021. So for my sure. industry, it's so dated. Sure. Um, I think it's really cool though when I've talked with other people and you know tried to help out clients and people on Instagram. It's doing a great job with ideation. But for me, I'm a little bit, it was funny. I, I was like, can you come up with like 10 sassy, controversial ideas? And it was like something about social media. It was like, 
oh, why I'm ditching TikTok for yeah. reels. And I'm like, that's not enough. It's never going <laughs> to happen. Information, you know, that kind of stuff. So right. but I think there is potential there for a lot of people, for sure. I just used it. We just did a photo video shoot for our team retreat. And I used the chat GPT function to say, okay, based on these top five testimonials, so copy paste the testimonials, help me brainstorm a video script by asking one question at a time. So it says, who's your audience? And then I would tell it, what are you trying to get them to do? And I would tell it, what um, things do you want to come across in this video script? And then I had it spit out the video script that I could use, not verbatim, but I could use as a jumping off point. Because a lot of times we solve for our clients problems that we didn't realize we were solving. Yes. But to see that the majority of our clients, my five favorite clients all mentioned that one of the reasons they loved working with us is because we were organized, which has has nothing to do with design. Ultimately, yep. Yep. like that's not a design thing. That's not, I love the colors she chose. That's a, we have a really good process. And for someone, if that's a pain point in working with designers, we want to play that up as a differentiation factor. Absolutely. So it's very cool. And yeah, one little thing that I want to note there that I've also been educating people on is some frustrations they have with chat GPT or AI is they're like, oh, it gave me something really stupid. And I'm like, well, it dep- again, it depends on the input. Mm-hmm. The input that you gave it, there was still a human element and you gave it such specific things to like ask and target. If you're not doing that and you're just going, give me 10 content creation ideas as an interior designer. Like if your mom were to go type that in, mm-hmm. it's going to give you crap. It's not mm-hmm. going to give you anything. But it's like, if your mom is like, oh, I designed for the coastal grandmother and price point is X, Y, and Z, and here's their problems, then it's going to give you good content ideas. So taking that extra step to give it that extra input like you did is going to generate something far greater. So I love how you approach that. It's fun because I feel that I have that kind of left brain, right brain balance, but sometimes switching back and forth between the two is really difficult. So another example would be like coming up with campaign theme names. So giving it just a catchphrase or a term that you like, but it's not quite there and say, you know, can you give me 10 variations on this theme? That sometimes is a good kickoff to be like, oh, well, that's what should go on the t-shirt for the event. Duh. Like it comes up with some great, great ideas. So, or conflating two different ideas that otherwise you wouldn't think have any crossover. So caption writing or marketing for what does the city of London have in common with entrepreneurship? Like we had a client just go to London and it paired up the vibe of London plus themes of entrepreneurship and then spit out 10 things that that being an entrepreneur and the city of London have in common. Yeah, things that are going to be so difficult for you to think about without hours and hours of research. research. Yes, absolutely. So I think that that's the approach with, at least with the chat tools is kind of giving it something that if you had to sit down and do it yourself, you'd have a harder time. Like it would take you a while to get there. That's what you chat 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 GPT for. Agreed. Yeah. Cause, and the other thing that I tell people too, is they're trying to use it as a shortcut to write like their Instagram. Yeah, no. Yeah. Let's use Instagram captions as an example. Sure. And like, it didn't sound great. And I was like, it's going to take you a lot longer to give it the prompt it needs. And it's going to take you to just write the damn caption, but for the ideation and the research and the re even the repurposing, use it for that. Cause I can whip out an Instagram caption in a couple of minutes. As even if you struggle with caption writing, I guarantee it's take you a lot less time to just write the caption than try and prompt chat GPT to give you something good. Um, but yeah, for those monotonous, mundane things that would take hours upon hours of research, use it as that starting point or that kickoff. It's going to give you some great stuff. I want to circle back to the content, like 
volume and quantity over quality or quality over con- quantity and where you kind of stand on that or how you help clients kind of navigate through that. Because the feedback that I get from other designer friends and clients is that they feel like they have to make all the pieces of content on all the platforms all of the time. And it's overwhelming. It's crippling how much content that they feel they have to make. Yep. I, you're nodding your head. I feel like you hear this as well. I do. And I actually have a controversial opinion on this one. Hit I me. say, here's the thing. It doesn't matter because both strategies have worked for a lot of people. So I have done both strategies. I've done mm-hmm. the quality over quantity and I've done the quantity over quality. Um, and it's it really boils down to what you do, what you like, and the outcome that you're trying to get. So I am currently in a season of put out as much stuff as I can because I have worked in this industry for over 10 years and I've been an, a full-time entrepreneur for five And the thing is, I have built the team and the system and the process to be able to do so. But let's say you are just starting out your business or you're in year one, you cannot put out the amount of quality that I'm putting out. It's just impossible. And that's not saying that I'm better or they're better or whatever. It's just the true manner of evolving in your marketing. So it it truly is going to depend. And I know people hate hearing that, that but it really does. Um, But this, you know, prime example, I literally just had this morning, I had a meeting with my content manager. We reviewed the last quarter of analytics and we decided Twitter is not working for us. We've been pumping out so much content, so much valuable content on Twitter, and it is not performing. So I said, we're scrapping Twitter Mm because I'm showing up on every single platform right now. I really am. And I have finally come to the conclusion, I can't force this anymore. We're going to take our effort and our energy of the quantity because we're putting out minimum of 10 tweets a day. And that's a lot. It's, it's just too much. And I was like, let's take that same content and that same energy. And we're doubling our Instagram posts. And I'm going to re- be redoing a, tic- a more aggressive TikTok strategy. So what I like to tell people is give it some time to work. Uh, try out what you want to try out. Um, I just put out, again, put out another piece of content today. If you're not ready to diversify your channels, diversify the platform. It especially works well on mm, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So a lot of people, traditional marketing will tell you, You need something that nurtures, something that builds a community. You need something else that allows you to sell, something else that brings awareness. And people think, I need to go to TikTok for awareness. I need an email newsletter for this and that. I'm like, yeah, eventually, maybe. But you can do all of that just on Instagram. Just diversify. Maybe add in reels to your strategy. Add in a more aggressive story strategy. Use broadcast channels. That's a new feature. You can mm-hmm. diversify in that aspect without having to feel like you need to jump on all these platforms. You do such a smart thing with this, though, as far as checking the analytics and creating more content based on where your return on your time is. Yes. And this is where I got to at the beginning of this year because making Instagram content for me was so painful because I would upload it. And even though I've worked very hard to grow my 13,000 followers over nine years of running my business and only 40 people would see it, 40, 40, and it would get nine likes. And I was like, okay, this is just not a good use of my time anymore. I can go on live on TikTok for an hour and have 600 pairs of eyeballs on my work. Exactly. And that's what matters more is your input versus the output. And again, I always tell people you got to give stuff some time. Um, but of if course. you're seeing over a quarter, over a few months, over the year, if you're not seeing the reward, just move on. Do the thing that is getting you you know, some traction for people that might be you do better in person at network marketing and your Instagram doesn't do shit for you. Then fine, lean in more to the network marketing, like whatever works for you. Instead of 
jumping on the latest craze and feeling you need to be on every platform because you don't. You, you really yeah. don't. I'm only on it because it is literally my job. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. No, definitely. And this is one of the things that we ended up talking about in my brand video is I said, there are a million marketing agencies with girls that look just like me that offer all the same services that are showing up on all the same platforms. And so what are we going to do? That is that differentiation factor. I love being a big fish in a small pond. So I love being an early adopter to a new platform because you get to say, I'm here and here's who I am and this is what I do. And I think with all the legislation around TikTok getting potential brand, which I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so either. But listen, we could go on for hours about that. I don't think it's going to get banned. And even if it does... Listen, I got my own theories, but I yeah. think it's not going to go Something else is going to pop up, right? In the first instance, there's too many businesses making money on this platform for it to go away. That's exactly. the first thing. Yes. The second thing is the legislation they're pulling forward. And I'll be completely transparent in that I haven't done my own due diligence on the research side. But the vibe that I get <laughs> from what I have seen yes. is that a lot of the things that they're saying about TikTok kind of need to be also addressed on other platforms. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So if there's going to be a ban of TikTok, then like Meta, time, it's time to show back up to Congress. Exactly. <laughs> I'm calling you, Mark. And, I, and as much as like, I don't know if TikTok will fully comply with all of the demands, America is too much of a moneymaker for them to yeah. just let them scrap it. They are going to bend a little bit if this does get pushed through, if these like dire consequences. And again, even if they ban the app, I don't foresee it happening like overnight. No. Um, you know, it's going to be a slow transition. And again, I think TikTok is going to want to keep their market share here. We make t- we make too much money for them as, as an ad revenue. They're not going to let that go. <laughs> so literally, yeah. literally. And the funniest thing about it was seeing all of the like Congress people in these hearings, like explaining like, well, so inappropriate. And the only thing on my for you page are teenagers dancing inappropriately. You guys don't know how algorithms work. <laughs> Clearly, like you just outed yourself, bro. Like yeah. you just that part is so funny. It's like episode out of Parks and Rec. Like it's the. It's so hilarious to me because they're so distant from it, which is wild that they can even make laws about it if you're so distant from it. I know. Anyway, I digress. I could go down a rabbit hole with this. So I, I digress. Think- yes. <laughs> is there anything else in the content marketing space that's making your skin crawl lately? So I have been doing a lot of hot takes. Um, and I also got some pushback on this because a mm. lot of marketers... Um, I have really started to educate myself on ethical marketing. Um, And I think it's an ever evolving thing as the marketing and digital marketing space, it grows so rapidly so quickly. And just to give a prime example of right now that I'm seeing a lot of people are using these tactics of keyword stuffing. And if you're not familiar with keyword stuffing, basically a lot of TikTok experts and gurus are like, hey, just put on let's say 10 keywords that your video is about, put text on the screen, make it really small or drag it off. And it's supposedly working to get your video seen by more people. And here's the thing is, are they dinging you for that now? No, but it's a spammy unethical practice that we saw back in blogging in 2010. And White now text on your website, Ugh. you would do the same thing. You would either um, stuff in keywords throughout and it just doesn't sound natural and it's very spammy. Or yeah, you would put white text of all the keywords that you're trying to rank for on Google with these SEO practices. So it's things like that. And I've spoken out about it. And a lot of people are like, oh, so it works, but you just don't like it. And I was like, no, I'm trying to teach people long-term strategies that's not going to hurt them in the long run. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, we can jump on trends and we can try these fun things, but these spammy practices, um, 
makes my skin crawl. And a lot of people don't see them as spammy. And that's fine. That's why I'm here to educate people. And they're like, well, it doesn't hurt me now. I'm just going to do it. And I was like, but when maybe let's say TikTok starts to do what Google did and they ban those websites that were doing that, or they will, um, I think it's considered blacklisting where they will Mm -hmm. literally rank your stuff lower. TikTok could eventually do that. Again, I'm not saying they will, but it could be a possibility. And I would rather people lean heavier into the actual content and the actual strategy than relying on these tactics. Um, So that's something that I preach very heavily about. And I'm not perfect. I still have, you know, I have a lot of work to do myself. I've done some unethical marketing practices in the past, some bro marketing tactics. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's something that I'm proactively trying to do. And I'm trying to educate other people on as I learn. So yeah. Well, there's a line, right? There's a line between those two things. One of the things that drives me absolutely nutty is people buying followers. Still, how are we still having this conversation? How are we still or having clients send me, I love this account, they're crushing it. And within five seconds, I can identify that they've purchased followers. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yes. What is that about? I don't know. And it's like, it's this whole, I think it goes into clout and they think that that's going to make them more money. And I'm like, it's not, that's not how we're going to do things here. So it's always, um, anything, this resonates for what we're both saying. It's that instant gratification. People want that instant gratification with organic social media or marketing. And it doesn't work like that. (laughs) That is literally not how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that just irks me and seeing other people teach on it. Um, also irks me a lot. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's a tough, it's a tough one for me. (laughs) There's another analogy that I always come back to when it comes to business and marketing is like marketing is a machine, right? Your Instagram, your TikTok, your, your outward facing content is a cog in that machine. Yes. That's all fine and good, but you can't run an entire machine with one wheel. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to add the other bits and parts to the machine and then you got to put gas in the machine to make it go. Yes. So if you have one gear and an excess of gas of people that want what you've got, but you never took time to build the machine, what are you doing? What are you doing with yourself? We got to make the machine first and then put the gas in it to go. Absolutely. A hundred percent. It's so funny that that's such a, it's a thing that Again, and I think maybe it's because people only see what they see online, right? There's this kind of, there's a facade going on. There's a little bit of an, and this is where the imposter syndrome is coming from because you're seeing the finished product. You're not seeing the process. Yes. So it's very easy to look at someone like your account or my account. Like, wow, they're crushing out work. This, 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 and that. This has taken us almost a decade. Yeah. I've been in this industry. (laughs) I've been in this industry since I was 19 and I'm 30 now. And I'm like, uh, you know, what some people might see as an overnight success, I've been building for 10 years, you know? So, and, and it's like, that's advice that I used to hear as a blanket. And I'd be like, oh, that's crap. And I'm like, no, that's actually true though. That's how this works. So it's, it's just a tough one to face, but yeah, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to make this happen. And that's why I always like to educate people. I will tell you my process. I will tell you my systems. I will open the curtain to what I do. I will literally tell anybody anything they want to know. But I always lead with, that's why I said earlier, I'm like, I'm lucky and privileged to have a content manager. I don't want you to have the same expectations of pumping out the same amount of content that I do if you're doing this by yourself. Like, that's not fair to you. Um, So I always lead with that. And again, that leans into the ethical marketing thing. Um, I'm not going to sell you a course on here's how you produce 30 uh, pieces of content a day without telling you I have a team of people helping me. And I think that's where um, we see a lot of this unethicalness happening. They're like, make $100,000 a day. And I'm like, 
you don't know what it took for them to get there. They had $90,000 worth of Facebook ads, you know, like it's just stuff like that. And I think we talked about this on the, on episodes prior is like, just because someone had a hundred thousand dollar course launch doesn't mean that that's a hundred thousand dollars of profit. Yeah. But they could spend $99,000 on getting the course produced for a thousand dollar paycheck at the end of the day. I'm, I'm not interested in that business model for myself. Nope. Personally, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of work for not a lot of reward. And then it does get slimy, right? Yes. And it gets kind of that, like, I don't want to lead. I don't want the reason someone wants to work with me is because they perceive that I make a lot of money. Absolutely. The same here. I was like, that's not what I want. That's not, that's what, not what we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's not, And that's why I will never lead with that. And I mean, I like you, I'm imperfect as well and led with that. In 2019, when I posted that I missed my six-figure goal by seven thousand dollars, yeah, yep, and I was like, I'm so annoyed, but I'm so transparent. Look at me talking about money on the internet. Like that's not why someone wants to work with you. Exactly. Yeah. And the only time that I like to talk about money is my money mistakes. Like I told people one of my highest performing pieces of content, I said, I owed $7,000 in taxes last year because I didn't, I didn't prepare properly. So I will be transparent about that. And then, you know, everybody always talks about these six figure launches and these big things. And I'm like, here's the content strategy that helped me make $8,000. And $8,000 is life changing to a lot of people in the grand scheme of things. When you compare me to like the bigger people, that's pocket change to them. But I'm also like, I'm trying to talk to the small business owner that that $8,000 could make or break their month. And like, here's how I did it through organic content. And I lay it out and I'm not like, hey, you're going to do this right away. And you can too. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was more so like, I've been doing this for 10 years and my launches still aren't these big things. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just making money to kind of live my life and this is how it works. Um, And, you know, I'm very transparent about that. But yeah, I'm not over here like, I make $100,000 a year and blah, 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 blah. You know, people sell is in that way and it feels icky. It just feels so wrong. And it's yeah. the same way. And and to your point as well, like I love telling the story of how I went from charging $300 a logo to now charging 12,000 for brands. Absolutely. Yep. That's a story of scale, but that's a story over six years and team members and mistakes and upset clients and failures and things I will never post on the internet of old projects that I did that I hated. Yeah, exactly. there's a whole vault of stuff that never even saw the light of day because, because of all those things. Right. Yeah. So it is like, there's a fine line, like with most things of, of understanding where someone's coming from and with a true desire to help, which I think you and I both are like, we both have this approach with our social. You ask me just about anything. I'll tell you what I won't do is if you send me your logo and you say, what do you think of my logo? No, 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 that would be the service part. That yes. would be a consulting call. And then for that, you're going to need to pay me for my time because Absolutely. those are my bread and butter. 100%. Right? But anytime we talk about money, I have a story and a caveat. 100% yep. always. And I'm not going to sell you something because of this grand raw promise of like, you're going to make thousands and thousands. Of- no, this is my story. This is how I got here. And I always lead with that and take a lesson from it. But it doesn't mean there's a formula um, that you need to be following kind of thing. Because- Here's a hot take. Anything that exists in any course anywhere on the internet already exists on the internet for free. Free. I tell that to people all the time. And here's the thing that I also tell people. I sell courses. I sell digital products. Yes. The thing that differentiates that course from all the stuff I put out on the internet is nothing. It just saves you yep. time from time. having to watch everything. I collect it all in one place and I give you a template. Whereas I give you the resources, my thoughts, my ideas, 
you could find what I do all over the internet and not need to buy my course. The course will take you two hours. Everything else might take you weeks, months, years, you know? So that's where the money comes into it and how I have a business. But yeah, or, you know, the things that I teach, you could Google. Like Literally. The only thing that differentiates it is my lived experience and my stories. Um, and that's how I approach it. And the fact that it has a proven track record. Yes. This is the tool that I use that works after trying 15 tools that failed. And so that's what you're paying for. Yes. And I think that as the internet continues to evolve and as entrepreneurship continues to evolve, it's not so much about being the origin of the information. It's about collecting the right type and curating the right type of information for the person that needs it. Yeah. Like Descript, that app, I heard about it from another marketer. Um, I think yes. it was Taylor Loren, Taylor from Later. Yes. We love Taylor from Later. Yes. I met I her. Did you know that? Yeah. What? She's- I met her at the TikTok conference in 2019. That's and amazing. I was the first person that raised my hand and said, is anyone using this for business? Oh. And they were all like, what? 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 <laughs> what? And like, I'm obsessed oh. with her. Like if I saw her, it feels like a celebrity sighting. Like if I get to meet her, that's like on my bucket list. So if she's listening, I would love to meet you. She's a help. Was- okay. I'll yep. connect you guys. Cause I have her email. I was going to say, I think we follow each other on TikTok and Instagram, but I'm like, we've never connected. But so I learned about it from her and I have done so much trial and error over the last two years with the platform that in my course, I have a whole lesson dedicated to here's how I use it for my hero content strategy. You could go learn that from her. You could go learn that from YouTube, but I've collected a year's worth of information to make sure that you seamlessly can use that software as fast as possible. So that's what you're paying for, that kind of stuff. Okay, so when are all of us Avengers going to assemble? I know, that's what I'm saying. We have a whole squad of marketing people and we- We gotta do something. A conference, we gotta do something. (laughs) We gotta do, we gotta do something. I was joking with Emma, ESM Creative and Adelaide, AMD Creative, that we're gonna have a a three-letter business owner conference. (laughs) If your creative studio, if your creative studio is named for any letter, it's any letter creative co, you're invited. (laughs) I love it because so you, you'd be eligible. Any creative co. You're Perfect. eligible. It so, works. <laughs> it's so funny because there's so much to be gained in a Skillshare. And one of the best things about meeting Emma this weekend was we got to just say like, oh, you use Notion. I use Basecamp. Let me show you how I use it for my projects and let me show you how I use it for my projects. And stuff that like, we are competitors in a traditional marketing sense. We offer the same services to the same clientele at the same price point even. But there's so much to be gained in knowing who does what and knowing what tools they use and how to learn from each other because we're operating from a place of like as corny as it is operating from a place of abundance and not scarcity there are more clients in the world than any of us know what to do with absolutely 100 percent. and the same rings true natasha of shine with natasha her and mm-hmm. i very similar skill set teach very similar things in like kind of different ways her and i all the time, pass back and forth, networking opportunities, speaking opportunities. Sometimes she gets them. Sometimes I get them. And we just don't care. We're like, we go after the same opportunities sometimes. Like we mm-hmm. both went after the same mm-hmm. TEDx talk. We both went after the same conference. Like we, that's just what we do because it's like, you know, we know that we can, even if we both get picked or neither of us get picked or one gets picked, we're going to serve that audience. And that's what matters more than anything. And still lift each other up in the process and say like, hell yeah, girl, you got it. Amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for no, sure. We, we love Natasha. She was on season one, Kiss My Aesthetic. Yes. 
Yes, yeah, she's, she's a homie. So, yeah. No, but for real, like, when are we all getting in person? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we need to. I was like, let me come to your coast though, because I've been wanting to visit. So, okay, I need to come yes, <laughs> you come to California for sure, and we'll get everybody think tank, get them all together. It's, so good. it's wild because again, and to that point, like anything that we're all saying can be found on the internet anywhere for free. So if it's, if you're one of those people, but again, the positioning is you just got to know this much more than your client. Yep. You just got to know this much more than the person that you're trying to sell to. And then deliver it. That's it. And then deliver. Exactly. And practice over and over and over again. So that's what matters. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm super curious before we run out of time, you're just starting to get into YouTube. This is something that's on our list as well over MKW Creative Co. What are you learning about YouTube that it's fascinating you. And what do you think is the biggest difference between something on YouTube and something on TikTok or Instagram? Yeah. So the, first of all, um, the long form piece of it, like you really do have to, um, you know, capture attention for a lot longer of a time. And that's something I've been playing around with formatting. Um, so I've tried like the listicle, I've tried the storytelling I've tried. So that's what I'm playing around with. But for me, for right now, I'm using YouTube as a catalyst for that hero piece of content. And any residual whatever I'm getting is awesome. I'm literally in experimentation phase. We're trying out different thumbnails. We're trying out different ways that we're wording the title and the description. And I'm always, the big thing with YouTube is as I'm scripting, I want it to be not only a long form piece of content that is so digestible, so informational, But I also think in clips, I'm like, how can I clip this? Like, what about this is going to also stand out on other social platforms? And then always pointing people, since it is a free resource, I point them back to something, whether it's another YouTube video, whether it's a freebie, or whether it's something that they're going to pay me for. Always directing people to other places, I think is the name of the game with YouTube, because I'm going to be honest, I am not a vlogger. Me either. People are not going to tune into me and I'm not going to make ad money off of YouTube. That is not the goal for me. Like a lot of influencers or lifestyle bars. I'm like, no, this is an educational thing. I'm not going to make, I'm not here to make money off of YouTube. I'm using it as a funnel for other avenues. So that's why I'm approaching it in a little bit different of a way. And all the YouTube education I found doesn't talk about that. So I'm experimenting and I'll let you know how it goes because everybody else really the reason why they join YouTube is for that ad share and that ad revenue. And I'm like, that's not for me. That's not it. I had such a good dog walk with a friend of a friend starting a business. And she, I was explaining to her the power of TikTok and I was explaining to her how I would approach it today. And it sounds like it's similar to what you just described, which is I would treat your TikTok like an encyclopedia of everything that you know. Yeah. And just make it a freaking library. And who cares if it gets views and who cares if it gets comments, but when that right person finds your page and they spend hours binging your material, you've made a sale. Like exactly without a doubt. And it Uh, sounds like that's your YouTube strategy in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's top of funnel for me. And again, it's not only top of funnel for actual marketing, but for my content strategy, like it is the bread and butter and what I'm using to generate leads and sales for my business. It's not necessarily like, you know, I joined the TikTok creator fund. That was trash. I joined reels bonuses. That was trash. I expect the same thing out of my YouTube channel. If I make money, cool, but I don't expect to monetize in that way. I'm using it truly as a marketing avenue for my business. 
business. Yeah. And that's why I started the podcast. Same reason. I was like, I need an excuse to reach out to people I want to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. Like, exactly. I love it. I love the it. ultimate networking tool because when else can you get an hour of someone's time? You're not exactly. going to say, can I take you to coffee for an hour? But if we record it, if we record, if we record it, and I send you the raw video, and I send you the raw audio, and I send you cuts, are you serious? Who's gonna say no? Uh, you're like, of course, sign me up. Exactly. Who's like, no. I know. I I totally agree with it, and that's my hesitation with starting a podcast because that's always been on top of list. Is I'm like, you know what? I just need to do a video podcast and put it out on YouTube Bingo. and just just do it that way. Because I'm like trying to manage something else just sounds awful to me right now. I'm like, I got too many things going on, but listen, if I could just, you know, just transcribe it. That's my YouTube video too. <laughs> take your videos and just take the audio out and just create, put a theme song to the top and a recap at the end. I was going to say that might be my 2024 little edition strategy. Yeah. You know? You're already done. You know what I could really see you doing is kind of like daily drops um, of like little 10 minute episodes, like marketing, marketing tip of the day, like literally. Cause the format of like, you know, doing, I love that kind of format where it's like 10 minutes. I think Buffer did it and it was like the science of social. And yeah, they would do like three times a week. I think they would drop, but sitting there trying to talk into a microphone for 30 minutes sounds awful to me, but I can do it. Okay. No, hack, ultimate hack, hacky, hacky, hack, hack, yes. hack. Go on TikTok live and you do it. Yes. That's so good. So when I'm recording solo episodes now, I'll post to my Facebook group. Hey, I'm about to go live on TikTok and record a podcast episode. So Ooh. then I'll set up, set up my phone on TikTok live facing me and I'll tell the whole, this is how our process works. And this is what a creative director is. And this is how you plan a photo shoot. And then the feedback and the comments that I'm getting prompted on TikTok live dra- help to drive my content. I'm going to do that. I'm stealing that. That's so good. The easiest thing because it's, you're, you're maximizing your time. It's the same way that like live streaming my logo design process made me so much more productive because I, I could not check my text messages. I (laughs) could not get distracted because people are committed and they are tuned in and they want to see a result. And so it's a three hour sprint of like, how far can we get with this brand right now? Ooh, that's good. And that is just such value. I'm And again, that goes into my whole idea of recycling, repurposing, and reusing like everything that you do. So I could be doing a live, recording on my camera, stripping it for a podcast. That's three pieces of content right there that I'm then going to go break down to 20 more pieces. I love that. I'm stealing that. (laughs) Please. It's the ultimate like content hack too, because once you go live on TikTok, you can download the live. You know this? Yeah. Mm Yeah. So download the live and sometimes I'll go on a rant, right? Somebody would be like, is this a real project? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> all yeah. of them are real projects because I've been doing this for nine years. And they're like, are your client lets you do that? And I said, yeah, because I have a photography videography release in my contract. And most of my clients find me from TikTok live. Yep. So they're so excited to see their project on TikTok live because it brings visibility to their brand. So you get these little, very like ultimate organic education pieces that you wouldn't anticipate and you can drive people to other things. So people will say, well, how did you start your business? I said, you know what? I've got a podcast episode about that. Number three, go to my website. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so good. So it it's all so feeds into itself. But the live streaming, since you are such a natural live streamer, I mean, done. I know. I need to get on that. 100%. I love done. that. Idea. That's so and good. Everyone learns differently, right? Some people learn better with video. Some people learn better with audio. If your audience is small business owners that are taking their kids to school and they can tune into your podcast for 10 to 15 minutes in the morning. That's so good. That's so good. 
I know. Cause I'm like, you know what there, I've always wanted to just strip the audio from a YouTube yeah. video. Like I just need to do it. I just need to freaking do it. Even the top performing ones. Like, you know, what? You know I mean, I'm talking yeah. to the expert here. I'm preaching yeah. to the choir. It's all good. Well, we always have a good reminder, especially on a podcast. We can totally do <laughs> it's, so, it's so natural. And, and a lot of the podcast analytics are kind of like, unlike YouTube or unlike reels or TikTok, like you don't really have access to other people's podcast analytics. So a lot of what people look for as far as sponsors is downloads. And obviously your numbers are increased when people actually finish the episode, which is why Bert is always telling me like shorter episodes, shorter episodes. <laughs> and I'm like, I have too much to say. And I love personally, I love to listen to a two and a half hour podcast. That's that's it for me. Like, I love it because I can clean my house, walk my dog, do go to the grocery store, walk through Target. Like, that is my happy place. So yep. I love that because I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly listening while being able to do other things, right? Yeah. Yep. That's so good. That's so good. I love that. So, I mean, there's endless, 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 endless things and opportunities, but you have something free for our listeners, which I think they're going to want. Yeah, I do. So um, we didn't get to touch on it too much in this episode, but I am also a very, I preach this all the time, is content batching. And I know a lot of people, that is like, a, for some people, they're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I'm like, yes, yes, you can. And I know it feels really weird and it might feel foreign and it might feel um, overwhelming, but I do have a content batching guide that really breaks it down into a much easier format. And it's not the you know, oh my God, you have to batch an entire month worth of content. No, no, no. This is going to make it easier to break it down day by day and start on the content batching process. So it's called the content batching guide. You guys, I'm sure it's going to be in the show notes. Um, you guys can download it there. And yeah, it's completely free. I think it's like 15 pages along with a video and like a little worksheet. So you guys, I'm telling you, I'm giving away all my good stuff. Like you are. Is, I'm giving it all away for you. Oh my gosh. We love that. How else can people find you, follow you, work with you, take advantage of the things that you have, all that good stuff. Absolutely. So you guys can find me on every major social media platform, including which we were talking about the new lemonade. I did snag my mm-hmm. handle there. Um, the only place, which again, I just jumped off of Twitter. I still have a Twitter there, but that's not my favorite place. So, but other yeah. than that, you guys can find me basically anywhere. And I just have some new cool products launching here within the next few months. So just stay tuned for those. Um, once you guys kind of download the content batching guide, I'll keep up with you via email and let you know about when those things come out. But yeah, that's pretty much it. So oh my God gosh, we love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. Again, you guys could literally start your own playlist of like MKW Creative Co, XA Creative Co. And you'll, it's basically a masterclass on marketing. Yes, it really is. And yeah, we, again, we're giving away all our good shit to you guys for free. <laughs> yeah, because why not? It's fun to help people. I exactly. get a rush out of it. I do too. I could, we could keep talking. I was like, totally. we're going to have like three parts to this episode. <laughs> I know. I know. The last thing we've been asking everyone this season is what is going to be the thing that you'd like to leave behind and what's the thing that you want to take with you and through this new season, this new year. Yeah. So for me, I am leaving behind things that no longer work for me. So again, like I mentioned Twitter, I've been trying for a long time. I'm leaving that shit behind and new things that I'm taking with me is the willingness to learn and adapt to new things. So like learning all about AI, learning more about ethical marketing, um, because I've been in this industry and we can become so complacent. And that's kind of my next thing is just learning nuances and and always adapting. So yeah, it sounds like you're, you're learning and also not being shy about not knowing everything about a new space. 
Exactly. I'm not an expert in everything. No, I'm really not. I'm, you know, just an expert in a couple of things that I really like to preach about. And that's just because I'm annoying. (laughs) But hey, that's enough, huh? It pays the bills. It keeps the lights on. It does. It does. <laughs> oh my gosh. We love that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you per usual. And um, we're going to connect offline about meeting everybody in person because I'm Absolutely. serious. We have I'm to. Serious. Don't worry. We'll document it, you guys. So you'll get to see all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks, Amber. And thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time.